Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Because once an individual comes to that point where they deny that Jesus is the Messiah, they deny the very hope of Israel, they deny the Savior of the world, and as John writes in his gospel record, in the gospel according to John, they deny that he is God from the beginning, and that he was with God, and that he is God, and that he came in human flesh. For those that deny these things, they're truly, they're denying God. They're denying the person of God. They're denying the plan of God. They're denying the very purpose of God. Who do you say Jesus is? You can't say you love God while denying the Son, Jesus. If you deny Jesus, you deny God and the truth isn't in you. John warns of liars among the church trying to thwart the truth that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah. Today, Pastor David will encourage you to examine how you view Jesus. Is he your Savior? Let the truth of God's Word abide in you. Eternal life is only possible through God's Son, Jesus. He is entirely faithful, even when you are not. Now here's Pastor David in the book of 1 John chapter 2, as he continues his message, The Greatness of His Love. I want to walk again in the sweetness of Christ. And we definitely look, we definitely smell spiritually dead when we're walking in the flesh. Back to 1 John here in verse 17, where John said that the world is passing away. Well, now he picks that up in verse 18. That's why he says, little children, this is the last hour. In other words, you need to pay attention because time is passing by. And I know Peter even gets to that, is that people say, oh, you know, you've been saying that for years and years and nothing has changed. Well, no, God has a time clock. We just don't know what zero hour is yet. But we can definitely look at the signs of the times and we can understand, man, as this world, literally this world, this terra firma, the planet itself, is wearing out and and wearing down. And things are beginning to change in it at an ever-increasing rate. Not simply because you guys back in the 70s used too much hairspray from an aerosol can. That's not the reason. It's because this world is just not meant to last forever. This is the last hour. Yes, we're to be good stewards of the world and of what he's given us. Don't take me wrong here. John says... As you've heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. We looked at this, and again, we spoke about the fact 
These were false converts. These were false disciples. Therefore, they were false teachers, false leaders, individuals rising up actually within the local churches. Uh, some of them, many of them, probably most of them, if not all of them, naturally gifted, but not spiritually directed, nor were they spiritually empowered. They were the ones who had never been born again. They were the ones that looked like, they felt like, but the problem is it was all religion. It wasn't relationship. They had never had a true experience with our Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. There was never a conversion time in their life. There was never a heartfelt confession of sin or a cry out for forgiveness in their life. They just kind of sidestepped into the, well, not even into the kingdom. They sidestepped into the church, and the church received them because they walked and they talked like they were believers. But again, there never was a part of their lives that were brought into the very body of Christ, into the spirit of Christ, and into the kingdom of God. But John had a much greater hope and encouragement for those that he's writing to. And I believe we can receive that today here, that encouragement that he brings to us. So all of that by way of an introduction till tonight. And so let's look at verse 20, okay? But you, John says, but you, not, not, not the antichrists, not the false prophets, the false teachers, not the ones that are walking in the flesh, not the ones that are, again, out in the world. He says, but you, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Now, he's not puffing them up with, with some random comment here. Follow with it here. He says, I've not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it, and that no lie is of the truth. And then he says, who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He's the one who is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. John understood as he was writing this that his intended audience for this letter had heard the fullness of the gospel message. They had responded in faith to the reality and the truth of the gospel message. And they were not necessarily new converts. They were ones that, again, they were familiar with the message of the gospel. He knew that they understood what he was saying. And so, again, they knew that it was true. So as he writes these things, he understands. That's why he continues on at this point in time. But here he's going to bring them a test. And he says, this time, he's going to focus the test to those that were liars. And the primary test is that of denying Jesus as the Messiah of Israel. Because once an individual comes that point where they deny that Jesus is the Messiah. They deny the very hope of Israel. They deny the Savior of the world. And as John writes in his gospel record, in the gospel according to John, they deny that he is God from the beginning and that he was with God and that he is God and that he came in human flesh. For those that deny these things, they're truly, they're denying God. 
They are denying the person of God. They're denying the plan of God. They're denying the very purpose of God. And throughout all of his creation, and in particular, their own life, they deny these things that the work and the plan, the purpose of God. And in that condition, guys, there can be no salvation. You cannot, again, say, well, I just love God. Oh, God is just so good. And I live my life for God. What have you done with Jesus Christ? That's the ultimate question. Number one, who do you believe that Jesus is and what have you done with him? I was watching a uh, uh, YouTube interview with Ben Shapiro, a great intellectual voice, conservative voice of our time, very super intelligent guy, so many credentials that Ben Shapiro brings to the table. He is a Jewish man, a practicing Jew. He was in a discussion with John MacArthur, the Reverend Dr. John MacArthur. And again, just a, a good conversation. And in essence, the gist of the in portion of that conversation was the fact of Ben Shapiro saying, listen, me as a Jew, you as a Christian, we're actually pretty close. We're, we're, we're very close. We believe that in the same God, we believe in the same moral structure, the same understanding of heaven and the reality of what it takes, you know, da 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 you know, being you know, faithful to God and all this stuff. And it's, it's a great conversation. Go on YouTube, find that deal. Because John MacArthur very graciously tells him, Ben, you have no idea what you're saying. He doesn't say those words, but in essence, he says, you know, Ben, I agree with you. We, we worship the one true God. The Jews, the Jehovah of the Jews is Jehovah of the Christians. Allah is not the same, totally different. He is, that's not the same God that we worship. The Jews and the Christians, we are the only ones that worship the one true God. We believe that God inspired men of old to write his word. And on and on, he goes about the the moral structure of life, the things that they agree on. But then he nailed it down when he said his belief in Jesus Christ is because of the writings of the Old Testament. He said, I could never believe and have complete faith in Jesus Christ other than the fact that he is the fulfillment of so many prophetic declarations of the Old Testament, therefore proving and showing himself to be the Messiah. And then he took Ben Shapiro, this highly intelligent, this sharp voice all over the nation right now. He took him to Isaiah 53 and walked through Isaiah 53. And he says, as you go through Isaiah 53, Ben, this is my savior. This is the declaration of what Jesus has done. And at the end, he says, you know, Ben, you and I, we could talk all day. I highly respect you, man. I I enjoy the intellectual discussion that we've been having. But I got to tell you, my discussion is always going to go back to this, Jesus Christ. You see, loving God without bringing Jesus Christ in the picture is a lost situation. It's a lost situation. You cannot have one without the other. You cannot say, well, I believe in Jesus. And there's a group, uh, pretty much a cultic practice within Christianity, a Jesus only, that, that Jesus is the Son, Jesus is also the Father, Jesus is also the Spirit. How they figure that out by reading the gospel, or if they read the gospel, how they could do that. But again, denying the fact. When we look at who and what the Lord speaks about, again, himself in every way. 
John tells us here, verse 23, whoever denies the son does not have the father either. But he who acknowledges the son has the father also. And John wants the church to hold on to that truth literally with all that they have because the enemy is trying to steal it. And that's what John is worried for the church then. And that's what is the same concern today, that false teachers, false doctrine will rob the church of the reality and the truth of who Jesus Christ really is. And that's why he says, verse 24, therefore, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. You've heard this from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. Do you want to have eternal life? You have to come through the Son. You have to come through full surrender to the Son. You want to have a relationship with God the Father? Well, the word of God tells us that there's no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. Jesus himself declares, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Oh, but I just love God. I'm not into that Jesus thing. No, you don't love God. You have created an image in your own mind, but you do not love the one true God. Because the only way that you could fully love the one true God is by coming through the Son. He says, if you had known me, you would have known the Father also. And from now on, you know him and you've seen him. Jesus tells him, you believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. John understood. That's his gospel record. Now, here, even in his epistle, his letter to the church, he understood that the church, the true believers, by and large, they knew that truth. They had relationship with God as their father because Jesus Christ was their savior. And here he's encouraging them, again, that as long as they lived and they walked in that truth that they heard from the beginning, you're gonna continue to have that sweetness of the fellowship with the son and with the father. And you can't read these words, at least I can't, in, in 1 John chapter 2, which we've just read about abiding in him and staying in him, you can't read that without remembering again back to the words of Jesus in the gospel of John chapter 15, when Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. He cares for that vine, where he says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And then he says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is separate from me. If he does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them in the fire, and they are burned. 
looking at the context of all of Scripture to help you understand this. I'm not going to go into it real deeply because there's other areas we're going to cover. But the fact is, is what he's saying. If you abide in me, you're going to bear fruit. What is that fruit? Well, some people say, well, that's evangelism. How many souls have you won this year for the Lord? I don't believe that that's necessarily the fruit. I believe the fruit that he's looking for is the same thing that Paul tells us is the fruit of the spirit within a believer's life. And if that fruit's not evident within your life, then how do you say that you're a believer? You're just mimicking the words. You're just pretending to be something or you believe you're something that you're not. Because again, if the fruit of that spirit, the joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, all of those things that Paul gives to us in Galatians isn't in your life, then how do you call yourself a believer? The word John uses here in both 1 John, what we're reading tonight, as well as in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, where that's, that's translated as abide, is the Greek word mino, mino, M-E-N-O, okay? And it has the meaning of to live, to remain, or to be at home with to be at home with. And the truth that they had heard, the truth that they knew needed to abide in them. It needed to remain in them. It needed to be lived out in them. You heard that truth, this truth needs to be living in you. If you're truly born again, that truth is going to be living in you. If you're not born again, that truth's not gonna be living in you. You're not abiding in him. It's through our abiding in him that we hear his voice. It's through our abiding in him that we have his covering. We bear fruit for the kingdom's purpose. And here, the pastor's heart of the apostle John cared for the welfare of these sheep in the midst of all of these false teachers, all of these false Christ, and he writes to them back in 1 John chapter 2, verse 26. He says, these things I've written to you concerning those that are trying to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him, it abides in you. If you are a believer, it is there. It abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. That doesn't mean you don't go to Bible studies. It doesn't mean you, you don't have teachers within the Word. That's not what he's saying. He's speaking very much about the reality of the truth. As a believer, you will know, as my spirit bears witness with his spirit, his spirit bears witness with my spirit, that I am a child of God. Do I look at my life and can I examine my life and see that, yes, in my life, man, the Spirit of God is working and moving in me? Or am I trying to do this thing all on my own flesh, all on my own strength? And that's one of the reasons why I'm failing all the time, because I'm doing it on my own strength. I'm just trying to be a good guy, trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to choose the right thing over the wrong thing. But man, I'm continually struggling. Well, maybe the fact is, and that's why Paul says, examine yourselves. See if you're in the faith or not. What's going on in your life? And I believe that that's the same concern that John has. But here he says, man, if you know, you don't need someone to teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. John wants the believers to walk in that great assurance that I am his. He writes these things, man, it looks like he's trying to bring doubt into their lives. No, he's trying to bring assurance into their lives. 
He's trying to bring that confidence that when the world is knocking us over, when our flesh suddenly rises up and the enemy says, see, you wouldn't do that if you were a believer. John wants to give them the assurance that, yeah, man, if you say you don't have any sin, you're lying. But if you do sin, you've got an advocate with the Father. But don't live in that sin. John, particularly those promises that speak of, number one, Christ's faithfulness to those who are his own. He is faithful. Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy. He says, even if we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. Why? Because he's put his Holy Spirit in us. And that Holy Spirit, again, as that down payment, as that security. No, I've, I've bought you. Here's the down payment. I've bought you. The completeness of this purchase isn't going to be made until that day. But you understand, you are already bought with the promise. He says, we might be faithless, but he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. He also wants us to know the fact that God, our God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will never leave or forsake us. That's why the writer of Hebrews He says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say at that point, because he says he's never going to leave me. He's he's never going to forsake me. The writer of Hebrews declares, we can then boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I am will not fear what can man do to me. You see, we can walk in great boldness in the midst of even this culture that is becoming more and more anti-Christ. We can say because we know he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Thirdly, I believe that John wants us to know, we need to know that the fact that we are in him, in Jesus and that Jesus is in the Father, and that no one can pluck us out of the Father's hand. John tells it in the gospel according to John chapter 10, Jesus' own words. Jesus declared, I have given them eternal life. They shall never perish. We'll, We'll perish, this flesh will die. But he's speaking eternal life. I have given them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me, he's greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand and I and my father are one. And on and on, guys, throughout the word of God, we look and we see the greatness of the faithfulness and the long suffering of our dad, of our father. Yeah, please understand, we are never, ever, ever to take sin lightly. Even the smallest of sin, because I know the smallest of sin opens the door to the next one.
are so glad we could be with you today as we opened God's Word and dove deeply into its goodness and truth. If you missed any part of today's message in John's epistles, we encourage you to catch up on our website, theopenword.com. There you'll be able to browse our library of audio as well as learn more about the ministry of The Open Word. We'd love to hear from you too and find out how God's working in your life. Please give us a call at 520-836-9676. When you call, be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you. That number again is 520-836-9676. Is social media part of your routine? Come like our Facebook page and keep up to date with all that's happening at The Open Word and Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. You'll find a link at our website, theopenword.com. As our time comes to a close today, Pastor David has a quick word of encouragement to share with you. Oh yeah, thanks Chris. Any time you spend in God's Word is valuable, and I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. By diving deeper into Scripture and letting it saturate your heart and mind, you'll be ready to take on your day as well as be prepared when the enemy attacks. If you're not sure where to start, you can begin by reading today's passage again, or simply begin with the Gospel of Mark, a short and simple reading. If your heart is open to the Holy Spirit's direction, you can't go wrong. Hey, thanks for tuning in today, and I hope you'll join me again next time on The Open Word.